So hello and welcome to the I Love Real Estate Success Show. Uh, this is something that we do on a regular basis and we want to give an insight into the I Love Real Estate community so that we can share a little bit about what some students have done, what are the successes they've achieved, and also what are the obstacles or things or issues they've had to overcome on their journey so that you can get a bit of an insight, a bit of inspiration, and also kind of have that motivation to go, you know what, I can get out there, I can do something similar or whatever it is I want to get out there and do more. And today we've got another fascinating student. Uh, Richard, Richard, you are ready to go. How are you doing, man? You good? Well, thanks, Michael. Thanks for inviting me here today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Richard. Now, I've got to say, I've um, I've been seeing that you've been posting a few things. You've been really active. We've never kind of formally connected, so um, I'm really keen to to catch up. And, and and thank you so much for taking out the time to uh, to join us as well. Welcome, Michael. It's been a, an interesting journey over the years. Happy to share a little bit about it today. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, let's get straight into it and um, and give a bit of an ind indication, actually, or a bit of an insight into, um, you know, where, whereabouts were you coming from? Like before I Love Real Estate, we always like to find out a little bit about, you know, what were you doing, where you were coming from. Can you can sh share a little bit about that? Yeah, of course, Michael. So I joined, uh, well, I went to university, you know, 18, went and studied engineering and business down in Melbourne. And then partway through that, I joined the Air Force. So, you know, from Melbourne, I moved across to Adelaide, um, bought my first property there in 2002. Um, so, you know, I just sat in my own little house and did some renovations, improvements on it for a number of years. And then some of the guys from work had done a small little development project. They'd done a duplex, um, they'd knocked down a house, built a duplex, sold it and made some money. And this sounded like a, a fantastic opportunity to expand my project knowledge. Um, my house hadn't gone up in value significantly, though I had got some reasonable capital gains. So a half dozen of us decided to do a, a little syndicate, a joint venture, where we went and bought ourselves a house and we knocked it down and we got our plans drawn up by a project home builder, um, ready to do a small duplex development. And then the global financial crisis came along and commercial lending got a little bit harder. Uh, we weren't quite sure what to do. We really didn't know the questions to ask, who to ask. Some people weren't keen to put more money into the project going into the GFC when we weren't sure on what our, our final sale values and sale prices would be. Um, so we ended up selling that one and I lost, I think about $10,000 or so at the time on a, a $30,000 um, input. So fast forward about uh, 12, 18 months or so, I was still keen on small developments. So I did a another duplex deal with some friends of mine. So it was 50-50, mm -hmm. a joint venture, and we just did that one basically on a handshake. Uh, we bought this old uh, rundown place, deceased estate off realestate.com, and we got our plans done up to do a duplex. We kept one each, um, so it was all fairly simple, nice 50-50 JV, um, and then we kept that one for a while. And then shortly after that, I got posted over to the UK. I studied a master's in engineering, 12 months in about 2011 over in the UK. And I did a whole heap of traveling while I was there, Michael, and I got hooked on property podcasts. And I'm like, <laughs> I knew that property and development was my thing. So I just started listening to all the content I could find. Um, and then just before I came back to Australia, I bought another property over in Perth. Uh, and my brief to the buyer's agent I used was, you know, I'd like a house where I could build another one in the backyard because I like developments. That was how you made money, I, I thought. Uh, and the way I knew or enjoyed making money. Um, and they found me a place where I could build two in the backyard. So I, I did that development and I'm still holding those now. Um, and the Perth rental market is uh, is increasing nicely at the moment. My yields on those are increasing. Um, it was an interesting lesson in holding those. About 2016 vacancies got to about 5% and the, uh, the rents just plummeted on those. And it took five odd years for those rents to come back. Um, so, you know, that was a little interest period on the housing cycle over in Perth. Um, so I, I started that project and then it was during that time that I, I really was back in Australia and, you know, I thought, hey, I need to increase my education and my knowledge on how to do that. So, you know, that's sort of when my education started, Michael, and, you know, I signed up to the courses and, and went from there. But yeah, my background at that time was very much in the Air Force, working for the government as an employee. And mm -hmm. the only way I kind of knew how to earn more money was to get a promotion and, and earn more money. I like developing, 
but I didn't see myself as anything other than employee at that time. Mm. So it was really kind of like you were in a, a fixed bit of a mindset of, of this is how you move forward, but you've, you've, you've clearly kind of like developed a, a passion for development, like straight up, you know? You, is that, is that, does that come from anything or is it like, you know what, this is just where you're at or, or what you love to do? Yeah, it really resonated with me, Michael. Like I, I don't mind renovating and, you know, my dad's a plumber. So, you know, very good handyman skills can do any kind of job. I'm okay, but, you know, my tradie skills are on that, that lower end of competence. So, you know, renovations kind of never really appealed to me in a huge way and having a full-time job, the only renovations I ever would have considered was something really close to home. Um, I would never have considered buying a property interstate or somewhere else that needed a reno and a development necessarily. Um, even the Perth one I bought, yeah, the house is pretty tired. It could do with a renovation, but my plan was always to not do that renovation. Um, just keep the house tired, um, do the basic maintenance to keep it livable and rentable. And then in the future, I'll knock that one down and I'll, I'll actually build two more houses where that one currently is. So yeah, development was that thing that always appealed to me and the other strategies, for some reason just didn't, uh, didn't get my attention. So I didn't follow them at all. Mm -hmm. Really. Mm -hmm. Well, man, clearly this is what's worked for you as well. Hey. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly has. Like I've really sort of hit that groove the last couple of years and, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, good, good. For one moment. Good, good. So, so what did you get into? Obviously, you're listening through podcasts, and is that how you heard about Dipna through through podcasts? Yeah, yeah. I was in the the UK, and you know, there was multiple sort of property educators and and people doing courses. And yeah, it was that during that time I sort of heard of Dipna, and and when I came back to Australia, I was like, you know, I'd, I'd like to to learn more about property and who were the people in that space, and and yeah, that sort of yeah. So I, I signed up for the courses and kind of did the basic kind of dimpner stuff and then lent hard on that development side. It's like, yeah, I know property and I like property and I'm, I'm going to niche down into that development side of things. Because mm. you, you did have the training courses as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did a number of other courses all, all with a development focus. I haven't really, I haven't done any reno courses. I haven't done any HMO or, you know, other sort of strategies other than development other than just general kind of property um, property courses. Got it, got it. So it's clear you don't, you know what you want and you're going after educating what you want. Yeah, good, 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 good. So um, so how did, how did things change? Like obviously once you got into the training, you know, there's a whole lot more information, there's a whole lot more education. That clearly changed things for you. Was that right? Yeah, look, I... It wasn't all roses, Michael. Like I, I did get myself into a bad deal with um with someone outside the community. Um, it was a joint venture for some townhouses, and I, I lost a significant amount of money on that. Uh, but you know, at that time, I was still kind of in that mindset kind of mode where you know I signed up to do this deal with these other people, kind of putting them in the driving seat and sort of trusting them a hundred percent when I shouldn't have trusted these particular people a hundred percent, you know, they, I had, you know, in hindsight, you know, more experience than them and could have, could have made it all work better. Um, but yeah, still had that sort of fixed mindset. Um, so it, it took a while. Like, even though I started the education and the process, like to break out of that sort of fixed mindset and see myself as, you know, being able to solve all the problems and, and find the good deals and make things work and work out what I needed to do to, to put everything together myself. Mm, mm. That's a, that's a bit of a tough one, especially when you're starting out that one. And we, we might expand on that a bit later, if that's okay with you on that one, because I think that um, whenever anyone's going into from an investment side of things, there's always a potential for things to, you know, difficulties and obstacles and also the potential for loss to come up how do you deal with that well if we can chat about that a bit later on that'd be that'd be worthwhile i think to really share so that you know that the 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 loss that you suffered could be a lesson lesson for yourself but then you can share that lesson as well if that's cool of course yeah um now which what which part of the program kind of like impacted you the most is it is it gonna are you gonna say it's a development or was it mindset because it looks like mindset was the a thing that you had to overcome as well yeah, definitely. Like initially, Michael, my focus was on the steps. I was an engineer. If you knew the steps, you could follow the steps and get the result. 
Um, and that's what I started doing. And then you know, I started to realize that even though I knew the steps, I wasn't necessarily getting the right results. Um, so there was something not quite right. And then, you know, I, I realized it was the mindset and, and the approach to doing things. So I, I yeah, I, I started to absorb more of those elements of the course and re-listen to that mindset material to, to readjust how I was thinking and how I was looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, were you like uh, listening to also the student success stories? Because often um, we have a number of people and obviously, you know, when we have a, um, you know, students on stage at, at the end of the year, uh, they can be quite inspiring. Was that something also that you were listening to? Yeah, it, it was. Um, although it was interesting, like my... My focus was definitely development, um, and it was interesting listening to people uh, who were quite successful in, like, say, HMO, like Karina was doing fantastic at the time, and so listening to those stories of how those people did really well was was really good. Um, so yeah, that kind of fitted in, although I never kind of quite found that person to model um, who was doing development and, I suppose, could express that sort of mindset stuff really well like it took a while to find that kind of right mentor that kind of it didn't just sort of express development as you know steps in the process but you know could explain that hey actually there's a bit more to this um yeah so i think i from the mindset perspective it was just more generally the content on how to think and how to look at things and you know problems the, the way you've got to look at problems like it's I got to the stage where it's kind of like, okay, I've, I've done enough education. I know the steps. It's like, I just need to, to, to back myself and, and know what I need to do. Like if there's a problem comes up, it's like, okay, which consultant do I need to talk to? How do I fix this? And recognize the, not the triggers so much as, but you know, the, you know, that heavy feeling in the stomach when an email comes through, or when you get a call, that says, you know, something's not quite the way we thought it was going to be and recognizing that, you know, I can, you know, kind of go inside myself and not deal with this properly or go, okay, how am I going to solve this problem and, and recognize those emotions that kind of stem from that, that whole mindset and the way of looking at things. Mm. It's a really important part. And I'm, I'm glad you've kind of, you know, you express what you have. It's a, it's a, it's a good, good insight that that's, that is what comes up. Um, because I know that a lot of, a lot of students certainly with, um, you know, we've heard about, they also run into similar kind of concerns where they're just like, you know, it's the, it's their own, it's themselves that are stopping them from moving forwards or they're running into things they don't have a, have a, have a good handle on how to, how to deal with. So, yeah. And it sounds like as well, Richard, that you have, or you're going to start to carve your own kind of path, you know, you're trying to kind of, you know, you're very focused and you're going to carve your own path. So can we, can we find out a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the deals that you have done? Are you happy to share with some of those? Yeah, sure. So look, I, I did that townhouse deal and, you know, suffered a, quite a reasonable loss on that that put me back a long way. And, you know, so after that, I, I teamed up with one of the community members with, with Peter and, and did a joint venture with him. And, you know, it was where I needed to get myself back into the game afterwards. It's like I couldn't at that time afford to do a deal on my own. Um, so, you know, we did something nice and simple. We went and bought a, a corner block, one title, two lots. Um, the house was in the middle of the block in Newcastle. So we got the approvals and we moved that house across onto one of the lots. And then mm-hmm. we did a boundary adjustment, boundary realignment, and we created a second title, um, vacant block on the corner. Uh, and then we got the approvals for a specialist disability accommodation house. Um, so I quite like the SDA space. There's quite a lot of risk and uncertainty around it um you know i think the biggest risk is will i get participants will i get the people will i get i won't say the promised income but you know the the maximum income possible and you know you've really got to look at minimizing vacancies but that particular property was was in a great spot had an accessible bus route right out the front for three different bus bus routes mm-hmm. Oles, aldi the tavern whole heap of um, specialty shops for all, you know, within 400 metres. So it's a great little spot. I was trying to work out what to do with it. Um, and then I, I started learning about specialist disability accommodation and the providers in the space. Um, and, you know, we've, we've finished that deal and we've got one participant in our house at the moment. We've got another two that are sort of being assessed and the income from that project will be very, very healthy for each of us. And we're going to hold that. Um, 
Yeah, and so again, continuing on from that, I've gone back to that small development space. I'm still not in the townhouse space. Um, I'm mostly focused on Newcastle, so you know, townhouse build prices got to around about the $450,000 per key. And you know, sale prices dropped back a little bit over the last few years, so it got challenging to find sites in that space. Um, so I, I really just kind of ruled it out and said, you know, that's not my space at the moment. I'm in that sort of value add, dual occupancy, small deal space. Um, so what I've been doing for the most part, Michael, is looking for existing houses up the front of the block, across to the side, so we've got room for a driveway down the side and doing dual occupancy. So retaining an existing house, uh, perhaps knocking down a garage, shed or carport to gain access to the backyard and then putting a house in the backyard. Um, and so for my own personal projects there, I've been again focusing on the disability accommodation. Um, I'm able to build a two bedroom house with two bathrooms and a garage, which is suitable for one person with a disability to live in. Um, and the funding for each person in, in one of those houses is approximately $70,000 per year uh, of income through both rent and NDIS uh, payments from the government. So look, it's not without its risks, but I'm doing infill developments and doing everything I can to maximize the probability of occupancy, mm -hmm. minimize the possibility of vacancy and try and keep those vacancy risks to as, as short a period as I can. But again, you know, I've got a number of mitigation strategies there, Michael. Um, if I get to the end of the project and I've got my little two bedroom villa, which is Strata or Torrance titled on completion, you know, I've still got a a growing downsizer market in Australia. Um, so there's fantastic demand for that product around Newcastle. If someone's building a new house, they're generally building a three or four bedroom house. Like there's not much in that two bedroom um, size product in the market. So, you know, it's quite a, a high demand market if I need a secondary market for the product. Um, and no one's going to say no to a little two bedroom, two bathroom house, mm. the bedroom for the visitors, the grandkids to come and stay. But again, I like the space because I've got the existing house at the front, it's providing an income, it's helping with serviceability. Um, usually to get the bigger block, I've got to find a, an older house, which you know, it means it's a bit tired. So sure, it probably does need one of those renovations that I don't focus on. Mm -hmm. But I've got a great uh, guy that does floor sanding. So you know, if the carpets need to come up, he can come in and, and sort that out for you know, $3,000 or so. And we've got a nice character filled home with, uh, with wooden floorboards you know, a coat of paint and, and if I can keep that sort of renovation side fairly minor, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, so, you know, at the worst, we've got a renovated house. Um, every block I look at is big enough to put a granny flat on the back if you had to. Don't even worry about the subdivision. We've got a granny flat opportunity. Um, we can get the approvals to do the build in the backyard and not do the build if we don't want to. You know, we can always sell it DA approved or we can sit on just the renovated house and just wait for the market to do its thing. So yeah, I'm sure we'll come back to it. But one of the big things I learned about uh, my earlier um, experience where I made a significant loss was, you know, not having enough exit strategies. Um, we had to commit a significant amount of cash flow or take a significant loss to exit the deal. Like I've, I've really gone back to basics and gone, you know, I can't afford to lose my pants. Um, mm. I need, you know, at least four or five strategies that work, four or five different exit points uh, and ways to minimise and mitigate my risk. And, you know, that, that keeps me nice and comfortable and sleeping well at night. Um, so that's my focus now on those little small dual occupancy type deals. And then I've got another deal, um, which is three villas mm -hmm. in Newcastle. That's, again, disability accommodation. Um, I've got my build contract of a million dollars to build those. Again, three two-bedroom properties. And I'm looking forward to getting those completed. Um, they're not yet out of the ground at the moment, but you know, on completion, gross income from those is potentially just over $200,000 a year. So, and again, like it's an undersupplied part of the market with a number of fallback plans, including, you know, downsizers, first home buyers, all those little two bedroom villas, if I need to sell them in the future as a you know, plan B, C or D. Uh I've got to say, um, Richard, that I don't know if anyone else is picking this up, but the way you're describing things, you really know your area very well and you know your strategy extremely well. And it's clear 
that that experience of the loss has provided you with multiple exit strategies that's constantly on your mind um, and you've, you've found your niche. Um, so if anyone's kind of listening in at the moment, um, this, this really is the value of education that you can see that you've, and of course, experience. And you're combining those two with the, the way that you're 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 describing what you're doing, which which is fascinating, and you and you clearly, you know, drill down on that niche, which is the um, uh, specialist disability accommodation is really your area development and uh, infill, and of course, we should mention as well with Granny Flats, you're in uh, New South Wales, which has the best Granny Flats laws as well. Exactly. So having Granny Flats as a fallback is a nice option. It's not my preferred strategy, but you know, to be able to build a granny flat for you know about two hundred thousand dollars or a little bit less, and have that product that can rent for you know approximately five hundred dollars a week, depending on the suburb. You know, maybe a, a bit more, maybe a bit less. You know, that five hundred twenty twenty thousand dollars a year of income on a two hundred thousand dollars initial investment is a, a pretty good return on that money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so uh, now you've mentioned a number of deals that you've done. Um, so where are you at at the, the moment with your deals? What's, what's the one that you're currently working on? It's the three villas, the disability mm -hmm. accommodation. Yep. Okay. And how, with, with that, what, what are you looking at from a time frame point of view for that to, to, to be completed? Aiming for like less than 12 months. At the moment, I'm going through finance. So I've probably got another, hopefully a month or so on finance to get that approved. Um, and then I can jump into the build. The builder's ready to go. They reckon they'll be done in less between six and nine months. Um, so you know the time frame for that one, all things going well, is about twelve months. Um, I've got another dual occupancy on hold at the moment, um, just until I work through the finance on that um, that new build for the three villas, just because that's a, a higher priority at the moment. Um, and then I'm also managing another couple of dual occupancies for other people as well. So working on those and, and doing those at the same time, just regular houses in the backyard. Um, not everyone's comfortable with disability accommodation and I, I can't blame them for that. Um, but yeah, so I've got a few projects on, on at the moment, Michael. Okay, and so you're doing the project management of some other deals as well? Yeah, just so yeah. I'm doing some work as a buyer's agent and project manager on a fee-for-service. Yeah, got it, got it. Clearly you've uh, you've nailed that. Um, the other thing that I don't think we've mentioned as well is that you obviously have a family as well that you've got to look after. So your your exit strategies, you need to make sure that you don't lose your pants because obviously you've got your family to look after as well. Yeah, exactly. And it, it can be a, a challenge, Michael. Like, you know, we've got kids hockey games Saturday mornings, but, you know, when are open homes and the best time to look at properties? Saturday mornings. So, you know, there's a little bit of give and take. And, you know, sometimes the focus is on dad going to hockey training during the week. And if mum needs to run hockey games on a Saturday morning, then then so be it. But it's... It's definitely been a challenge over the years in doing self-education, looking at deals and assessing those, like, you know, balancing the requirements of, you know, having a job along the way, of having a family, of doing developments, of learning more. And, you know, it's it's a challenge to explain to a, a partner, like, who's like, you're spending all this time on property things, like, you know, show me the money, like, what, what results are you getting from this? it's it's been a challenge along the way michael there's um there's a tv in my house but i don't watch it mm -hmm. the kids watch abc kids but you know that's there's no time for watching tv um, that'd be a luxury um so it really is about priorities and, and how you spend your time and it's yeah i have to be careful you know to allocate enough time to family and my wife and, and keep everything healthy and and working there as well as on the development and property side of things, it's it's a, a conscious balancing act, and sometimes it's a conscious decision to say time's being spent on this and not that. Um, how, how do we make it all work? Mm -hmm. So, Richard, you've you've transitioned to to full time with property. Uh, I am still doing some work with defence at the mm -hmm. moment, Michael. So I'm not yet full time in property. I'm getting much much closer, uh, and. Hopefully I'll be able to share some good news in the, uh, in the short, short to medium term there, but not quite full time yet. No, but, but close to you've, 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 you've got your eye on the goal and, and the objective of what you're, you're aiming for. I'm focused on that goal and I'm taking all the right steps to get there. Yep. 
haven't quite cut ties with uh, with that employment thing yet. Got it, got it. But obviously, it, it sounds like it's not far away. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, with with your time with um, going through uh, within the community, you're you've done quite a number of deals now, isn't it? Uh, uh, we were speaking before. Is it, it's about eight deals all up, but then I think a few of them were early on, but prior to to joining. Is yeah. that right? Yep, yep, that's right. And there's been a number of joint ventures along the way, Michael. Um, yeah. So, with the exception of that one deal that went bad, everything and and that. Little ten thousand dollar learning experience early on, um, which would have been better spent on some education. Um, had I known that that sort of thing existed at the time, like you know, it's it's really hard when you're starting out. Like you might find that you know, back in the day, you know, maybe Steve McKnight was doing a tour or something, and mm-hmm. you see a little two hour seminar, and you know that that was kind of all you knew about. Um, but yeah, so I've done a number of deals. And with the exception of that, you know, that first one not going so well, and then the other one not going well, it's like, yeah, they've, they've all gone well. And it, it, the benefit of actually doing deals is the learning you get from them and, and even just the emotional learning on, it's like I, when I'm working with someone now, what I say to them is like, you know, we know where we're starting out and we know our end goal. You know, we're buying the house and we're going to put one in the backyard. We know that that's exactly where we're going to get to. There's going to be some hurdles along the way. There's going to be some things that pop up that we weren't sure about or that might have happened, and, and some of them will happen. Um, but we know that we're going to get to a house in the backyard and we know that the result will be good. Um, but there will be some bumps along the way. So it really has been a lesson about managing those bumps um, and the emotions that, that that happen there. And, yeah, our little internal programming on when this happens, I feel like this. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. I felt that before. Let's just um, put our eyes back on the objective and move forward to uh, to solve that problem and, and get the, the result we want at the end. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now you've um, you've ended up with a uh, you've you've got a significant amount of positive um, uh, income coming in at the moment. Yep. Yeah, I've got some good income at the moment. It's you know more than covering my my loans even after they've gone up. So you know that that's a really good position to be in. And yeah, each, each project I finish from here on in will will add significantly more cash flow. Like you know, when I first started out, I had no idea about these things called rooming houses, and, and now I'm kind of like, oh, if I didn't know about my strategy, you know, something like that would would interest me. But yeah, I, I like that kind of cash flow aspect. It's like as nice as the the development and the chunks are, you need to be able to buy yourself out of of doing what you're doing. And the reality with developments, and I tell everyone who wants to do a small development, I'm like, you know, you've really got to allow yourself 18 to 24 months for this project. Because the, the time it takes for consultants to lodge, to put your application together, to lodge it, to get it back from council, to go back to your consultants, to get a tender from a builder, to get the builder engaged, to get the builder on site, to get the project built and handed over with occupation certificates like it can easily be, you know, 18 months to two years. So it's not something you can do in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hey, Richard, did you want to just expand on this, this, um, uh, the deal you did where you lost a significant sum? Um, I'd really love if you can share a little bit more about that, um, just so that it can give a bit of insight to others that may be looking at going down that path and, you know, the things to avoid and, you know, and then so forth. So if you're happy to share, is that okay? Of course, Michael, there's a few things about that deal. There was a number of things that went wrong. Well, not went wrong. Um, Some of them I should have seen up front. Um, The block had some significant slope on it. Um, which in and of itself wasn't a massive problem. You know, it was, was achievable to overcome it with, you know, build methods and some dropped edge beams and some similar things like that. Um, but because it was the amalgamation of, of three lots and a battle axe block at the back of three existing houses to, to subdivide and create that fourth lot, um, it ended up being underwater major works, which, you know, was about $50,000 of saw pipe replacement plus a couple of pit replacements. There were some stormwater pipes that were close. We knew were running down where the new driveway was going to be, but they just happened to be closer to the surface than we thought. 
So it ended up costing about an extra twenty to thirty thousand dollars to dig those pipes up, replace them, and put them lower down. Um, there was a four-car garage behind one of the existing dwellings where these this lovely old couple, or a couple of the properties were owned by these absolutely beautiful old couples um, who sold the properties. Um, but you know they'd built this garage during the eighties and. And he worked for council as a dump truck driver and he got this fill from council and, you know, it was contaminated waste. It was absolutely full of asbestos. Oh, wow. They ended up spending about $60,000 on the disposal of that contaminated waste. I think in hindsight, plus a bit of cleanup from where the, the builder or the company probably used, say, Bobcats, drove it up the driveway between the two houses and then put it in the truck that was on the road. And in doing so, you know, potentially sprinkled some of that around the site and the driveway that then had to be scraped later, adding to the amount of waste that needed disposal. So um, we had some issues there. But the, the biggest, couple of the biggest conundrums with that one, Michael, was, you know, the, the exit points. Um, so I had one exit point, which was walk away from the deal, mm -hmm. not settle on the places or settle on the houses and just, you know, throw away everything I paid on costs. DA application fee, contributions, and that, that bucket of money of sunk costs. Or the other option is I could push forward and do the subdivision. But the problem with doing the subdivision is, you know, I needed to demolish this garage. I needed to put the driveway in. To do the driveway, I had to replace this pipe that was under the ground. I had to do the underwater major works. And, you know, I was getting closer to being able to do the subdivision, but, you know, it still needed more money put into it. And one of the little kickers was I needed to pay the... Um, contribution fees on the construction certificate, even though I got to the stage where I'm like, I'm not going to be actually able to build these townhouses, but I had to pay the contribution fees anyway to get my subdivision done. And I'm like, that was another $20,000 that just hurt. Um, and, you know, then there was problems with the, the people I was doing the joint venture with who were taking a, a management type role. Um, they put a caveat on the property because it didn't go quite the way they expected it to go and they're like, well, we're not going to get paid because there's not going to be a profit here. And I'm like, yes, there's not going to be a profit. I'm not going to make a profit either, but, you know, I'm the one wearing the loss. Um, but anyway, they put a caveat on the land and that, that was its own little interesting uh, emotional experience. Um, and in the end, so I, I lapsed the caveat um, through lands titles. Um, they didn't object, but nor did they have a legal right to put the caveat there to start with. And, I, you know, I... I went through talking to my lawyer to confirm that. Um, but yeah, the, the main learnings on that project, Michael, were, you know, have some good plans, have some, you know, what are the exit points and the exit strategies, which is why I'm so focused now on how could I get out of a deal? Um, you know, if I recommend to someone that they're, they're a part of a project, you know, what's, how do I make sure they don't lose their pants and, and you know, get a, get a reasonable outcome or a really good outcome. But, you know, even if things go really bad, We've still got to be able to walk away and go, okay, didn't quite go according to plan, but, you know, we've got everything we put in back and, and we'll move forwards. Um, so that that was kind of the exits was one of the really big learnings on that. Mm -hmm. And the other big one on that was the value of time. Like that project tied me up for four, maybe five years. Wow. And I was in just a, a limited headspace where, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm in this project, but, you know, I can't really do anything else. You know, my capital's tied up. What do I do? And I did sell the projects at a loss, even though I knew with time the value of the land would go up and, and it'd be an okay outcome. But I chose to sell it because I'm like, you know, there's just negative energy attached to this. I want to clear my head and go and do something and, you know, take, get out there and do more things and, you know, learn more things from successful projects. So that was where I moved on to the next deal with Peter. And, and that was really good. Like we, we worked, we worked so well together. Um, and again, you know, we, we hit problems and obstacles, but it's like, okay, here's where we're at. We know where we need to get to. Let's work out what we need to do to, to fix up this current problem. Mm. And that's not to say since then there've been no problems because there, there's always things that don't go according to plan. Um, even on that next deal, we we did what we thought was the right thing. And, you know, on a kind of an unscoped renovation, you know, where if you want to tie the scope down on that unknown work, you know, someone's going to put a cost premium on it. So it's like, well, we don't want the cost premium. So let's, we went into a cost plus contract and 
we got taken advantage of there. Um, but again, you know, learnt some lessons on that. So we, we still went well, we still made a good profit and, you know, we've got a, a nice asset on completion that's providing us a good, good cash flow now. So there's always lessons to learn. Um, it's about, you know, keeping, keeping moving forwards and, and sort of keeping the energy levels up as well. Like you don't want to go, go home to the kids and be having a bad day because it's something that's nothing, nothing to do with them. Mm. It sounds like a bit of a lesson. And that was, um, that was a, that first one was a significant loss, wasn't it? Were you, are you happy to share kind of like what, what that amount was? Off the top of my head, it was just north of half a million dollars, Michael. It was it was a big one. There was lots of things that, wow. that go according to plan. Um, because again, like I said, it was a sloping block. Um, the university, which the project was near, bought on about a thousand rooms at the same time. So people with the um, you know the, the rooming houses nearby were, were ditching their properties because you know their occupancy decreased. So they thought, well, I've, I've had a good run. I might as well sell it. Um, so they did in a hot market where prices were rising elsewhere and build costs were going up builders could pick and choose their jobs and they sort of said well look your block's got a bit of slope on it and all these other ones i'm going to tender on don't so mm. I'd, I'd rather work on these other jobs not yours and if you really want me to do yours i'll do it at a cost plus a bit more because i don't really want the job to start with wow wow that's a that's a tough one and i've got to save her, um you know the, the way you're describing it, I can, I can feel, I can feel, I can feel the, um, the, you know, the frustration of being in a situation where, you know, you have to make a difficult decision, but you know, it's the right decision, but it's just, it's taken you back a fair way. But um, the one thing I will say is that you've, you've turned that around now, you know, you've used that from a viewpoint of going, okay, what have I learned here? What, what did I do? What can I do now? And of course, now, as you've mentioned as well, you have multiple exit strategies. That's high. That's high on your mind uh, of looking at that as well. Um, the other thing that you mentioned was about the energy of the deal, and that's a really interesting one because you know you've got to go home. Obviously, you've got to go home to your family and the kids and so forth. That the energy of the deal has to be right as well. Did you want to just kind of like expand a little bit more on that? Because that's a, that's a really interesting way when you go into something, and you're especially when you're doing it with a joint venture arrangement. How does it go? How does it work out? You've got to be on the same plane to a certain extent. Did you want to expand a little bit on that? Yeah, look, it's you've got to work with the right person, Michael. It's better to not work with someone and have a bad experience. If, if you're not quite sure about someone, um, it's better not to do anything. Um, and it, it can be difficult to know. I mean, I, since then, I've, I've only had good experiences. But, you know, for some people, it's don't know how they handle themselves under, under stress or when things don't go quite according to plan. And, you know, when I'm talking to people, maybe I'm that bit more pessimistic and maybe they go and do a deal with someone else that, you know, shows them all the blue sky and how great things are going to go and how fantastic this project is. Um, I, I do throw in a, a little bit of that kind of personal experience and go, you know, we, we know where we're going to get to and it's going to be a good place. But, you know, things aren't going to go according to plan the whole time. But, you know, we're just going to you know, zig and zag and we'll, we'll get there. So it, yeah, it's, yeah, like being conscious of, of energy levels and where you are is definitely an interesting part of this journey, Michael, mm. all the way from where I started when it's like, just show me the steps. I just want to know, all I want to learn is what I need to do to get the result. Um, but what you've also got to do is, is manage those energy levels so that, uh, so you have some fun along the way and, you know, enjoy the time with the kids and family when you're not doing property as well. Fantastic, fantastic, and uh, and it's interesting, and it's good to hear that, especially coming from your engineering background as well. <laughs> hey, um, there was there was one question I think Eugene was asking about the the hunter water required you. What why do they require you to replace existing pipes? It's one of their requirements in that it's either minor or major works, depending on how big the job is you're doing. But essentially, you know, under every block of land or nearby, there's some sewer pipes and, you know, they'll put in maybe 60 years ago and they've deteriorated with time. There's cracks and gaps in the concrete between the pipes. So Underwater says, well, you're a rich developer. Um, we realise that this infrastructure is a little bit old. You're a rich developer. We'll get you to replace it um, because you want to benefit from this land by doing a development. So hand over some of the benefit to us. Replace all our pipes with, um, with new modern PVC pipes. Um, and then send us proof that you've done this and we'll let you do continue on with your development. 
So it's a requirement put in place by the infrastructure owner that you need to meet when doing developments if their infrastructure is affected. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Thanks. That's that's for you, Eugene. Good for asking those questions. Um, hey, Richard, um, the, it looks like that um, that mindset from going from an employer viewpoint over to actually running and managing and being in control as a property specialist has been a bit of a challenge. Did you want to kind of, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about that? Because that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a, change, a transition, you know, PAYG to, hey, you know what? I'm in control of my own life. This is what I'm doing. And uh, I'm project manager, property expert. Now, obviously also a buyer's agent as well. Do you want to explain a little bit about how that transition was for you? Yeah, look, it was it was slow and it took a long time. Like, I, I don't like painting, Michael, but I do find that when I'm doing painting is when I normally flick on the podcasts and I, you know, flick on the, the audio books and, you know, you dig up some material from, you know, a bit of Napoleon Hill or Zig Ziglar or Brian Tracy to kind of complement the property type stuff. And, and there's, you know, some really good material out there for listening to and it's kind of like, oh, okay. I recognise some of this stuff they're talking about and... And really just, it's been a journey for me to think differently about how can I influence my future? How can I do things? And, you know, people probably haven't seen me around courses and stuff as much the last few years because I've kind of hit that stage where it's like, I, I know what I need to do. I just need to get out there and do it. Um, so I've been busy doing things. Um, and that mindset shift has probably been one of those biggest parts of that, as well as surrounding myself by the right people and being in the right spot, you know, having moved around in, in defence for a number of years, you know, I, I wanted to get to Newcastle, Newcastle was my patch, where I was doing projects and where I wanted to do more projects. So, you know, I, I didn't feel like, you know, when I was kind of living in Sydney, or, and less so Canberra, you know, Newcastle was a bit of a hike away, I, I made the drive on a number of occasions, but you know, it certainly wasn't every weekend pop up here. And I certainly wasn't able to get the feeling of, you know, hey, I'm a, a great local buyer's agent who occasionally gets to Newcastle. I'm like, so, you know, moving to Newcastle helped with that mindset, as has along the way, you know, organising events and hanging out at other people's events that they've organised with other students and people that are, are doing things. Um, you know, that, that's one of the biggest problems before you join a community is like, who does this stuff? Like, how do you find those people? What are they doing? Where do you find them? So surrounding yourself with those other people is, is great as well. And, and I mentioned earlier, like, it's hard to forget how little you knew back when you started. Mm. And, and like, I still think, mm, I don't know this or I haven't done this yet and other people have. Um, but the reality is, you know, I've come a, a long way. Like, I've come so far from when I started and I'm sure many other people have as well. Like, it's, it's a good reminder every now and again to think, hey, Richard, when he first first started doing developments, didn't really know anything, and you know, I did some did some good stuff. I made some of the right decisions. You know, I I did some other stuff where it wasn't right, or I put trust in people I, I perhaps shouldn't have. Um, but you know, taking those lessons and moving forward has been really important to me. That the worst thing I could have done was you know, taken that loss and then gone, oh, this property thing, you know, it's it's not for me. Like I'll, I'll just leave that to other people. You know, even now I listen to some people that make some fantastic profits on some deals and I'm like, oh, geez, I, I saw that one. I could have done that one. Um, but instead, you know, it's just I keep moving forward, you know, one step, two step, three steps and, and putting those those nice little sweet deals um, in, my, in my pocket and, and I'm enjoying it. It's good. Mm. And Rich, we should say that, you know, with, with that loss as well, you've made well over that back as well. Yeah, that, that's right, Michael. You know, I lost that money, but it's the, the profits come back since, and and that would have been really sad. You know, if I went to my grave and said, "Oh, you know, that was terrible. I lost lost all that money, and and I lost more than that." You know, it'd be worse to lose, you know, family, friends, or otherwise. Um, luckily, you know, it was a business deal. I don't talk to those people anymore, but it, it was a business deal. Like it wasn't a relationship gone sour with family or anything like that. You know, I. My family kept our house to live in, a roof over our heads, and we, we moved forwards and, and got some good results since. Mm, awesome. Awesome. Because that's, um, are you happy to share? Like, like you've, you've made more than, you know, more than that amount back, haven't you? Yeah. Well, more? Yep. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Um, 
Hey, Richard, so you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I'm kind of like interested in um, your, your, your life now. It is a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, look, life's good. And it, to be honest, it's mostly the mindset side of things. It's getting out there, doing deals, talking to people. Um, and it's, I'm at that stage where, you know, even if I wasn't doing any deals, I could still have credible conversations with professionals and they'd go, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. And you know, I know more than him on some stuff, but he knows more than me on other stuff. Um, so, you know, it's really good to be doing deals and hanging out with people and property professionals and and having family time and living near the beach in Newcastle and yeah, life's good. Mm. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, so Richard, with, with all of your experience to going through the program and obviously, you know, getting to where you're at at the moment, um, really solidly in a niche and in a very strong position in exactly what you, you know, exactly what you want. And you obviously you're getting out there and doing that. Um, what would be your advice to to someone brand new? If someone's just dived into the community, they may not have the same kind of idea of where they're going to be or what they're going to do. What advice would you give them with the, the you know the amount of information available to them, both strategy wise and also mindset wise? What 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 would you say to them? Look, I'd, I'd say the most important thing to me was was surrounding myself with with similar people, if you can, like you know, get up to inform, get out to informal meetings in this city and where you live. That's a little more difficult, you know, fly to the events, get along to boot camps. And, you know, even if you can't do that, just the Facebook page, like seeing what people are up to and, and hanging out with them. And just ask questions. Like people are really generous with their, their time and ideas. Um, the amount of people that put up questions like, hey, here's my floor plan. I can't quite think of what to do with it. Or, hey, here's my block. Um, give people a bit of information and they'll help. And, you know, there, there's content there. You're not sure which direction you want to head in just hang out with people keep reading material like find some audio material whether that's you know webinars podcasts boot camp material to listen to while you're driving flying doing your gym workouts like um next time no extra time it's like you know stuff you're doing anyway like uh, join um automobile university where you put your audio on and you re-listen to content um because it it starts making you think differently. And that's, that's really important. Mm. I, I love how you like to use that extra time. And uh, obviously you mentioned earlier on about not having a TV or having a TV, but you know what? You don't even, you don't even watch it. There's more important things to do. So um, putting your attention on where your, where your focus goes, you know, your attention goes and where your focus goes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Richard, what do you, what do you say to, to somebody else? If, if someone hasn't joined the community and you meet up with somebody and they're like, Hey, what's this, you know, you're clearly into, into real estate and so forth. And you know, what would you say to them? Well, look, if, depending on where you want to go, like if, if you want to move somewhere in a hurry, really jump on board and find yourself a community of like-minded people. And, and this is a great community from that perspective. Like if, if you think you can get all that information out of reading books and ask, asking people questions and that's your jam, Go with that, but you know, if you want to really kickstart and move forwards, it's like find that community that resonates with you, and from that perspective, this is a great community. Mm -hmm. Did you want to say anything more about the community? Because you've, you're up in a uh, in a group up near the Hunter, and um, and they're pretty active too. There's a, there's a lot of very active students in that area. Um, how supportive have you found it, or, or how um, how have you found you know obviously having that that availability and connection to the to the to the community? Yeah, that, that's been great, Michael. And getting along to some of the, the previous sort of meetups, you know, it was a nice tight crowd, you know, 12 to 20 people. Um, but, you know, this year, Vanessa's kind of taken it next level and there's there's 60 odd people once a month getting together. So, you know, and sharing lots of ideas and lots of experience. So, you know, again, just having that access to community and people like, you know, people with experience, similar to myself, you know, slightly different bent. They've done projects, they've done things. Um, so at any level, it's it's fantastic. Like those opportunities are out there. Sydney's got similar groups and, and get togethers. I think, you know, every major city's got them. I, when I lived in Canberra, I used to organize some, some get togethers there. And, you know, we'd get a dozen or so people along having dinner once a month and just talking about property. And again, you've got people at all levels that are, people that are interested in doing things, people that are doing some things and people are doing lots of things. It's 
they're great networking and, and community events to, to be a part of. Like it's, it's one of the great things about this community, Michael. Mm-hmm. It sure is. It sure is. It's one of the things we always know is that the Olive Estate community, it just, it has a life of its own. Um, you know, you can put a question up and you can get multiple responses. If you've got a situation going on, you'll have a lot of people, you know, helping out to reach out to help in, in numerous ways as well. So uh, it's something that we really, really appreciate. And it's, uh, it's good to hear your point of view and um, yeah, an appreciation and your involvement with it as well, because every, everyone's involvement, it, it makes it what it is. So, yeah. Richard, we're, we're, we're at the hour. We're, we're kind of like, we're, we're wrapped up. Um, thank you so much for taking out your time and being willing to share and your journey and especially, you know, the trials and some of the, some of the things you've gone through. Um, really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Was there anything else that you wanted, wanted to say or are you, have we, have we covered everything? I think we've covered everything for today, Michael. I could talk about <laughs> property for hours and not run out of things to say, but you know, our hours up and we've had a good chat. So I'm, I'm really happy. Thank you. Well, well, much appreciated. Um, I really, it's so insightful to to see and um, huge congratulations on you for, for, for going through, um, you know, a very difficult, obviously loss coming back, getting, getting more than, more than that back um, in the process, doing really well and being so involved and, 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 and sharing as well. I know that there'll be a lot of insight. We've already got some comments on Facebook and then within the, the Zoom as well um, of appreciation. So, so thank you very much. Appreciated. Michael. All right. Awesome. Well, look, we're going to, we're going to end off here. Uh, so thank you everybody for joining, or if you're going to be listening later on, we've got the recordings. This will actually go up onto the the website as well, and it will stay within the Facebook group. So you're certainly welcome to revisit this at a later point in time, which you may be listening to, um, but do well. Um, this is another fantastic insight into what happens when you join the Isle of Real Estate community and also you learn and then you apply and you take action and the results, it can change things around hugely. So thank you so much for joining, Richard. Thank you so much for sharing. Really appreciate it. We've got some great responses. Eugene, thanks for sharing your story, Richard. It's valuable to hear your learnings and experiences. And thanks, Michael, for hosting. Have a great weekend, guys. Awesome. That's Eugene. Awesome. So we're going to end off. Um, have a great, oh, one other thing as well. We've got... Um, the ultimate boot camp coming up in Brizzy. We've got the success principles event with Nicole coming up. Make sure you log on, you join in. If you can attend live, I don't think there's any seats left in Brizzy, uh, but we've got the real estate millionaire within two weeks later, also in Brisbane, heaps of events, heaps of opportunities for you to connect, learn, do more, stay a part of the community. Uh, so, so do that and we will catch up with you next time. Richard, thank you. Do well. And I'm sure we'll see more of what you're doing online as well, hey? Definitely. All right. We'll end off there now. Okay. See everyone later. Bye.